1: door drive podcast that you are when it is episode 178 i know we always say it but you've probably already read the cover art and the title to know that it is 178 but i like to just re that you guys all know that you're in the right place and you're watching or listening to the right number podcast that you are looking for does that make any sense i guess it does well this is your boy east coast trev and i'm joined by my good buddy mr madman mardick Oh, oh, sorry. That nah, was a uh, wrong, wrong episode. <laughs> what are you doing I'm with that on thing? Nor'easter game call. What?
2: I just got off the phone with Mark. We've been working on some shit.
1: What are you working on? Secret. Oh, okay. No, I'll no. Tell you, Mark's you got a about, lot
2: going on right you now. You want to talk
1: about secret? <laughs> Bro. So the new logo is now released, right? And everybody knows that the new logo is released. But I'll tell you this: is that we've now got them on pot calls. Mm-hmm. And so you guys can take all of your old pot calls And you can throw them in the garbage No, no, no.
2: Put them on the shelf Nostalgia
1: oh, oh, nostalgia They might be
2: worth something someday
1: you were using for skeet shooting No
2: Why? You gotta put them on the You gotta keep them They might keep be worth safe. something? Yeah
1: You think so? Yeah, the,
2: the OG logo
1: Yeah I mean, we bring back the vintage you Right, say. exactly Vintage oh. outdoor 10 drive. years down the road That's When right. we're old and gray
2: Yeah Yeah, don't get rid of the old ones Just
1: buy new ones Oh Well, we got new ones we're working on new ones. Yeah, I mean they're, they're they amazing. are fire. Yeah, you guys will love to see him. Um, Mark's been killing it up there. We got him, and the, and not even that, but we oh, we're so excited about the new logo that we have a new pot call coming out called the Windbreaker. I ran it all last season, uh, designed uh, with Mark. Amazing call, and it's great for. You know, that windy day that we get in spring because last spring it was windy as hell. And it was tough. And you needed something to get out there and strike off them birds. So we, we struck them off with with this windbreaker. And it's an aluminum body, uh, aluminum top over glass. And the thing screams. The noises it makes, the pitch. I mean, you guys all know, all you turkey hunters, that pitch is what kills. I mean, that change in the tone and the pitch is what kills turkey. So we went ahead and we made one. Mm-hmm. Um, the mouth calls, are, they're getting worked on. There's just a lot of stuff, and Mark is knocking it out of the park. Yep, we're um, working
2: on a little uh, some coyote call prototypes that we're getting dialed in here soon. That's what I was talking to Mark about.
1: Is it? Is those?
2: Yeah, they're close. They're real close. They're just not ready for market yet, but we're getting it dialed in.
1: That's good. That's yep. really good. Well, guys, you know you guys are back on the podcast. This episode is with uh, Mr. Seth uh, from the Outdoor Drive. We wanted to tear into who we actually were. And what we had going on, mm. um, because we had the group, the group chat um, with um, you know the whole group mm-hmm. in the studio when we had released the fact that we were going to be the outdoor drive instead of the outdoor drive podcast, and they literally, I wanted you guys to know exactly who they are, so we took Seth on board. But yeah. before we get to that, I think. Marduk has something to say about the killer's corner. Oh, We've been yeah. neglecting it here for a couple weeks because well, things have been a little hectic. Very hectic. Uh, from To say the least. So we're going to let Madman Man Marduk uh, get into the killer's corner.
2: So this is, this is the last of it. This is everything I got. So if I missed you, reach out to me and tell me I forgot you. Mm. But uh, this is just left over from the end of last year. So we got Mike Thibodeau, uh, great season with a bear and a buck. Michael...
1: Ibsen? Ibsen, yeah, yeah. Uh, he know. had a
2: hell of a season. Tagged out with his bow and a nice buck with He's the rifle. He's a Connecticut rifle, yep. uh David Cook with the coyote. Keep
1: those coming. I want to take a pause real quick because David Cook, you guys, I want to thank him for his service. He actually he went overseas – um, and was overseas for quite some time, and then came home for for hunting season and was able to make it home. He was gone; I think he missed an entire season. Um, but thank you for your service, honestly, David. You, David. And 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 now you are killing it. Him and his boy shot that moose, mm-hmm. and then the buck, and then now you know he's killing coyotes. Yep. Uh, thank
2: you for that, David. Thanks for the post, uh, Tom Aglio with the coyote, buddy, buddy the elf, buddy Guthier. <laughs> Buddy the Elf. He's, he's going to hate me when he he's, hears that. Listen, he is no Elf. I, know, I can promise you that. But go ahead. Buddy the ogre. Um, <laughs> tag, tag, Tagged out with the bow. Uh, my man, Jackson Hardesty, tagged out with the bow. Josh McGowan with a Georgia hammer. Showing Mr. Higgins up. I love that. Sean Russell with a big late season Maryland brute. Uh, we got Morgan Perkins running them squirrel dogs. Corey Smith. A uh, good week with a uh, shed, fish, and ducks. Ooh. Uh, Edward Stan. How do you say say Edwin's last name? Uh, Stinky. That's what I thought, but I didn't want to say (laughs) it. I don't know. I'm (laughs) horrible at names, man. Uh, Iowa Public Land Buck, which was a great book.
1: That was a cool little story. I'm hoping to have him on the podcast and talk about that because that's a. No,
2: I definitely. I already reached out to him. Yeah. Yeah, Because I think that we'll get him on the drive. Definitely going to get him on there.
1: I mean, uh, on the tails.
2: Yeah. Uh, Another Morgan Perkins with the squirrel dog. How's the squirrel competition coming?
1: Oh, man. It's coming along, dude. We got a we got a pile of entries, actually. Yeah. Um, I'm not gonna run through the list or nothing, but right now holding top, um, m- my man Joshua Earl and in mm. the, the pup, uh, they're at 18, uh, 26 inch red. I think that's the biggest right now, as far as that. I think with a commanding lead. To with a commanding lead, uh, Josh Rate Uh R- Rakowski is right behind him with 15. So those guys are kind of going neck and neck. Uh, Edwin said he's going to hit it hard. Uh, He was away on business, and he's coming back home. So he's in third place right now. And there's a bunch of twos and threes, um, some really good ones. I think the biggest gray right now, I think it's 24 inches, Mm -hmm. I think is what I'm seeing. It is a solid one. Ooh, I missed this one. Oh no, that's twenty-five and a quarter. Yeah, so you got Josh, Josh, uh, Joseph. He's got eighteen with a sick 26 inch red. So he's gonna probably take two places if he doesn't get knocked out. But there's some good stuff going on, man. Not as many people that normally get in on the on the scroll competition, but. There, there's a good number of guys that are getting out there doing it, so we're we're excited for that, man. Awesome, some, some good squirrel competition for well, sure.
2: Love that. And then I got one more for the killers' corner, and that is Mr. Mannish with a pink-footed goose. Ooh, Mr. Manny. Speaking of Manny, yeah, him and Gerard. Check in with him.
1: Oh, oh, I hear him. I hear him. Oi, you,
0: yeah, you, put down that mug of Joe and get your lips wrapped round one of these bad boys. That's right. Nor'easter game calls. Give it a blow. Nor'easter game calls. Get them in close. This winter, use Huntworth's Heat Boost products for impeccably warm body parts, guaranteed. Get more for less with Huntworth. Vital Ground Outdoors, for all your climbing hardware needs. Amstel mobile hunting redefined with Vital Ground Outdoors. New Era Archery, home of the Zeus Broadheads as well as the Hera. Let the Zeus loose with New Era Archery. I would just like to thank our generous sponsors. Back over to you Trevor.
1: My man Manny, thank you, buddy. Appreciate it. Appreciate all that you do for the podcast, and uh stay out there killing it. I know you did a little bit of deer hunting too, and that reminds
2: that me. Do you know why? Do you know why they say British? No, because we dumped the tea in the harbor.
1: Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Jesus! You always go with the tea in the harbor every time. <laughs> British. British. They, always, they never said the tea. Oh, that's they skip true. The tea. Yeah. British. They got to get rid of because we tea. got rid of that. Shit. Yeah, that's right. That's all that matters, man. <laughs> Love well, you, Manny. Well, guys, let's get on over to Seth. We get into some really cool stuff. So yeah. Let's, this, is um, a, this
2: is a really good bullshit session. And
1: you guys will hear a lot more from them. We're getting ready for the shows. We got Harrisburg. We got Springfield. And we got Mohegan Sun. Yeah,
2: and uh, the other thing, too, because this comes out Thursday, uh, me and Trap might take a run up to New York Sportsman oh. Expo. Yes, on Saturday. On Saturday. So if it's you're the
1: runnings, the yeah. running show.
2: Um, it's in Syracuse. So if yeah. anybody's listening and they're gonna be there uh, Saturday, reach out to us because we might be around. We don't have a booth or anything. We're just gonna go check it out.
1: We're gonna go check it out, shake hands and kiss babies. Yep. <laughs> so we'll be there and we'll be bouncing around. But uh, let's get our man Seth on the line, dude, and let's get this podcast underway. Cool. Booya! What up, man?
3: What's going on, boys?
1: You guys kind of know them. We we had the group uh, podcast, and Seth was part of that, but we decided that we were going to tear down the crew and kind of get everybody to kind of dig in and know who everybody is. So we had Seth join us for the first one on this one, dude. What's going on?
3: Another day, man. Uh, I'm already ready for next year's season. This one hasn't even finished yet.
1: Yeah, I know. Like, Well, you get lucky because you have crop damage and all that other really good stuff.
3: Well, Rhode Island goes to the thirty first of January.
1: Oh, that's right. So you oh, guys so you're have
2: on a- your regular season. Yeah.
3: Yep. Yep. And then my crop damage picks back up in April. So is it
1: archery in January or
3: archery only in yep. January? Yeah.
1: Yep. That's crazy, dude. Yep. That's absolutely nuts. So is there a lot of bucks that are like shed out, and you're still hunting them? So you have a lot more chance of shooting a shed out. I've buck? made the
3: mistake. I have made the mistake before. Um, which is I hate that. I hate it. So I try to try to keep it nice and close. I mean, usually I'm waterfowl only at the end of mm-hmm. January, you know, by this time. But if I need more meat in the freezer, obviously I'll, I'll still bow on it as long as I can. But uh, it it happens. Like I said, my area, dude, the bucks are still holding. Like I just saw a buck chasing a doe the other day, mm, literally really? two days ago.
2: Well, the good thing so is it's ar- ar- it, it, being archery yeah. only, at least it's a little close quarter. So it's a little easier to tell than a hundred yards right. with a rifle or something.
3: Right, right, yeah. I mean, once I I made, made the mistake a couple times, you know, and I thought it was a doe, like last light or whatever, and it's all, all of a sudden you see little stubs, you know what I mean? You can usually tell if it's a big buck that already shed, but mm. I still hate to do it not knowing, you know. But uh, you make that mistake once or twice, and you, you learn to identify pretty well.
1: Well, man, why don't we turn this but, uh, key, dude? Why don't you tell everybody who you are, where you're from, and what you do?
3: All right. I am from a small town, Tiverton, Rhode Island. Probably this, I think it's the smallest town in the state, definitely the smallest town in the state, and one of the smallest in the country. Um, But we got some big deer here and uh, a lot of farmland. Uh, I got a little girl. I work for a power company, blue collar man, it's hunting, fishing. If you're not working, doing the family thing, that's it. There's no other option. It's it's outdoors 24/7, 365.
1: I think and you know, I'm not not to kind of knock anybody else on the team, but in all reality, I think that you're the guy that spends the most time in the outdoors out of everybody, dude. It's actually kind of crazy uh, to me.
3: No doubt about it. I I I I could put a year's salary on it, dude. I l lo- it's
1: even if even with my four
3: year old, dude. <laughs> like it's Oh, she's a little savage too savage. though. Savage bro she I she loves it right now cross I hope she stays that way but I didn't give her much of a choice dude I was doing outdoor checking cameras baiting for coyotes dude like check shed hunting with her in my back since she was old enough to be out of the house and <laughs> all bundled up you know what I mean so this is all she knows she knows this life. She was fishing in the in the baby carriage, dude we were pushing that stroller all the way to trout ponds and stuff so it, it's definitely a lot but having a kid is no excuse, you know what I mean not for me. I, I just i just changes how i do it and that's it saturday sunday after work it doesn't matter
1: so where did it start for you did you grow up in a household that was like that that had that that full outdoors experience
3: yes so my father and grandfather were in that life as soon as I, as long as i can remember my grandfather's been hunting his whole life and dude he's traveled the country he's you know every game every big game animal in north america for the most part um i think elk is the only one that he hasn't killed and put on his wall um but he's everything i mean sheep mountain lion with the bow everything um so he was that was his life and then my father um he got my father into it obviously and then i was born into that and i didn't really it was (laughs) a very smooth transition for me you know what i mean i was killing squirrels by the time i could walk
1: so you're used to that yeah yes (laughs) yeah
3: yeah is it yeah
1: is that where you got your whole like? Cause you're like the gear guru of the group, also, which you're always into gear and trying new things and stuff. Is you, you got that from your grandfather? Obviously, I know. Like we know the we know the the truth behind it, but like your grandfather is the same exact way that you are with gear and different things.
3: Oh, dude, he might be worse. Really? <laughs> yeah, absolutely, dude, I mean, there's nothing that I can bring him that's new in the industry that he can't rebuttal with. Oh. I- I've got one of those. Let's go in the basement. And it's the same the same thing, just different from 30 years ago. That's awesome. He has, you know, I mean, he built this house and his basement is his hunting oasis. He's got, you know, the whole game room. He's got the broadheads on the wall. Like he's he's a collector of broadheads. So he's got an entire wall, custom-made shelves, the whole nine of every broadhead that's ever come out, fish heads, trad, trad heads, mechanicals, fixed, you name it. And every trinket that's ever come out in the hunting industry I mean, I swear to God, he's, he has it. It's So, yeah, I definitely know where I get it from. That's for sure.
1: And is that – well, I'd imagine that's probably where you you kind of dove into it and got to see all that stuff, so you're, like, kind of fascinated with it and then just kept it going?
3: Oh, yeah. I, to be honest, it, there was no, like, oh, I'm going to decide to be into it. Like, from day one, I was always like, all right, what's the new thing? Like, it, it's just – it was bred into me. That, mm-hmm. <laughs> for sure. That's definitely where I got it from. And I mean, I'm definitely fortunate to be able to, you know, to come up in that life. So I had people to to look at and learn from and, and uh, you know, give me the tools of the trade. It's not like I had to wing it on my own. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Which uh, there's definitely a lot to be said about guys that do that. But I think I'm definitely fortunate to be able to just boom. I'm born into it. You know what I mean? Right. And there were yeah. hell of a role models too. My, you know, and my grandfather's he's sick with it just like I am. So every season every species like, that was available you, you know he could he taught me and showed me and after the races it went so i definitely definitely got my like, gear obsession from him too and dude he's 76 years old and he's still killing deer and still youtube and trinkets and the new gear and dude he just bought a red dot for his shotgun and like oh yeah <laughs> dude you know so it, he's still not slowing down
2: what's uh what's grandpa's opinion on the butt out that thing's popping up all over the place again. You have, have you seen that? No. The butt. You know what the butt out Yeah, is? yeah, the butt all plug. All of a sudden, I haven't thought of that thing in 10 years. All of a sudden, it's all over social media again. The
1: butt plug.
3: Yeah. 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 His opinion is be a man. <laughs> be a man. He's a knife.
2: I feel like that's what everybody's opinion on that thing was.
3: Yeah, I mean. I, I don't, think, you, I don't you, think I've listen, ever if even it gets used you one. Out there doing it. if it gets you out there doing it, by all means, go ahead. Absolutely. But, you carry a knife, you know?
1: I don't even think Some, I've ever even used just, one of those things, bro. I've I don't even them. know how to use those things. I've used one.
3: I've seen it. I picked it up in the store. Yeah. I just, it's that's one of those things that's like, yo, know, they they're making this just for people stupid people to
1: buy them, you know? <laughs> that's so dumb, dude. I don't know. I, it's it's not. That's one of those trinkets. Do you think that there's other trinkets out there that are in the industry of things that you've probably the that buck, they came up the with? The buck cruncher. <laughs>
2: What is it? Do you remember the thing that made the noise that sounded it was supposed to sound like deer eating acorns? It was a call.
1: Oh what was it called? It's I've a, never heard of that. The 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 acorn acorn cruncher. Now oh. I'm gonna buy it. <laughs> That's like you know what the other thing that was like that? That we used to actually we used to oh do the, oh, what was that thing called the tree thrasher. I never had one of those, but I've You, I you ever seen that? The tree thrasher? No. Dude, so this thing is actually pretty cool. So it's a small little gadget, right? And it's got two plastic sides. One of it has like forks on one side. And then it's I don't know how it's to explain like a, it, like, like a scrunchy type thing.
2: Almost like a dryer vent hose, but plastic. Uh-huh. And it
1: had like inside of it was like, you know, like the kids thing that goes ch- 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 ch, like ruffled yeah. up paper thing. And it was inside of it, and you would take it and you would like thrash it together like deer walking in the in you know Making that book? full Yeah, making that full circle when you're calling like aggressively during like rattling, uh-huh. yeah. You could, like, rattling. rattling the tree, sh- scrape the tree and then yeah, trash yeah. the, leaves. the leaves around. And I'll tell Bro, you they man, make everything. Well, so it's not that it was all that bad, right? It wasn't one of those gadgets that like you wouldn't use all the time. Like but to make the full circle and the understanding of how that actually works when you are calling deer it actually works out really well because you hear a lot of stories of guys that would carry around paper bags with like they would put leaves in them and mm. crush them around or they'd have Ziplocs and they would put them. Um, yep. The other thing is with a lot the of antlers guys on
2: the ground th- on the rope,
1: the antlers with on the, the, the ground. Yep. The other thing is yep. um, one of the guys that I know is kind of like my mentor. Uh, he, if you he ever heard this, he would kill me. But uh, he would actually, in his rut sets, he would set up a tree stand, like a ladder stand, and he would put a pulley on it, and then he would put cinder blocks on the ground, and it was like them stomping, and he would put them into like boughs on the ground, so it would like smash on the ground, so he would rattle, and then he would smash it on the ground and make a full circle. So I think that Tree Thrasher wasn't all that mm-hmm. far off of what it actually was. It's just that... It's just something that, if you're not into that, you would not. I think know. at the end of the day, what it comes down to is how much shit do you really want to carry with you? It, well, that's true. If too, you have honestly. it with you,
2: it works, but is it worth bringing with you on every set? You know?
1: The thing with the tree thrasher is it was kind of small, so it was a little bit bigger than a skull can. You know what I'm saying? Mm. So maybe it wasn't okay, all yeah, that big yeah. and it would it would kind of crunch down. Um, but it's funny how about that.
3: about the game tracker?
1: The game tracker.
3: With the with the line that you should connect to the uh, arrows, you can follow the string to your kill, bro.
1: (laughs) They're always coming out with new and innovative things because so like DSC last year, they came out with like a broadhead that has a tracker on it, bro. That thing had to bend like six inches. Bluetooth? Will they make a no? This one's not Bluetooth. It was actually, um, it's made on like a sonar radar type thing, like a metal detector. And you would, like, hold this, like, piece, like, this, like, I don't know, like, a phone type thing, and it w- you would track it down with that so that it was, like, not magnetic. Like, if you were overseas, that, because they don't really have a lot of, like, service and stuff, I guess, so, like, you'd have to use something different. Does but, it, dude, that thing was, like, dude, it was probably, like, 600 it, grains up front. Does it come off in the animal? So, what happens is it's, like, so so, it's, like. You have your broad head, right? Yeah. And your broad head screws into the front front. And then, like, behind that is this freaking thing like, that attaches to okay. your arrow. And then it, like, it has, like, a barb hook thing that yeah. sits inside of this, like, tube. And then when you shoot, yeah. it comes out so and it tags get, into it. you still get
2: it. your pass through. But it leaves up. It behind. leaves it
1: in. Yeah. Mm. So it's kind of, like, it, I, dude, it's just wild. Like, why? I, I just don't understand. You have to, like, tune to it, like, crazy. Like... I don't know.
3: Imagine that. You're right. I don't
1: that's, know why uh, you would ever crazy. want that. Like, that's just like one I of those things. Tag, I wish I could
2: tag a couple bucks books in the summertime.
1: Yeah. Just <laughs> see where they show up to. Right. Yeah. So I can find them right. in the fall. What do you do? You, is there other gadgets that you've used that are like, you're like, dude, like, why did I ever use that thing? Like what? I'm trying gadgets. to think of, I'm trying to think of it. Cause like you're into that stuff, bro. Like you just have a ton of everything
3: um i've tried about every release imaginable and my grandfather's got one of everything dude i had this one that's like and i i killed the deer with it too with this old Buckmaster jennings compound bow that's what i started shooting with before Well, i started with trad and then as, as soon as i could pull the weight the 70 pounds that's what i started hunting with and it was like this little hand it's just just like a handheld release now except dude it was rope <laughs> it was rope and like a pulley so like dude i was <laughs> imagine shooting a compound bow with a rope and a pulley dude what (laughs) it worked but think about the delay you know what i mean dude it was like it was like shooting a uh, muzzle loader Mm. with a delay dude you know what i mean like click so i would release and have to hold and by the time the string went there was a short it was like (sniffs) dude it was pretty wild
1: actually that would keep your concentration because it's like the same thing as if you at full draw and your buddy comes up and punches it you know like you ever done that to like see like yeah. you have your friend yeah. like hit it for you so you're not paying attention but you're on so it'd be kind of like the same thing i mean
2: or they have the uh the electric yeah. releases where you you hit the button and it it, can, it goes off on its own it could be like zero to five seconds
1: oh
3: really That's- yeah. I can't even throw that thing far away from me. That's yeah. terrible.
1: That's it is terrible, man. That's like, why would you do? It's that? more of a competition thing, like 3D and. Targo. I draw
3: the. I draw the line at trinkets with batteries, batteries and electronics. I I try to keep it. Uh, that stuff I, to me, there's a line in the wood where you bring things to the woods. You know what I mean? Like, like I got, the, I had the ozone thing that the you know the ozone the generated, ozonics. the Ozonics. Yeah. I've done all that, um, but. As far as like lighted sights and computerized like the Garmin, dude, I'm not about it. I think that's I think that's too much. Yeah,
1: the Garmin's Uh, insane. I've shot it, dude. Insane. I know
3: everybody I know that has one loves it. Loves it. Mm
1: -hmm.
3: I just I I try to draw the line at the batteries and the the computer systems. You know what I mean? Like I, I I want it. You're in the woods, dude. You're being primal. Like you start bringing the more computers you bring it's starting to change the game, you know what I mean?
1: Well, it's bad enough for that me, we part- have to carry camera gear constantly, so then you have to worry about more things on top of your camera gear. More
3: batteries? And what if the battery dies? Mm-hmm. Ah, I'm all set. I'm all the about you. If you can afford that thing and you want to run it, man, I hear nothing but good things, do it. I Just for me, personally, I try to keep the technology to
1: a minimum. Well, you're not a technology kind of guy anyways.
3: <laughs> no,
1: sir, I am not. <laughs> <laughs> same dude we told him today i was talking to him on the phone and i said yo you ready to go on iphone he's like no i'm not ready to go to the iphone they can't switch over all my pictures i said bro why don't you just have one of us down him to a flash drive so you don't have to worry about it he's like no nah, i'll just stay with android forever i was like okay
2: more power to you bub whatever <laughs> yeah. he takes says screwing up the group chat we can't have we can't change the name of the group nope. chat. we can't every, we got to see everyone's text in green. you know you know That's what bullshit. at
3: least i can invite i at least i can invite
1: a collaborator on instagram <laughs> Good call. Boom. Good call. <laughs> what a dig. <laughs> Somebody some of you guys do not know. It's kind of an inside group. So so Tyler Tyler <laughs> Tyler can't seem to figure out he's like the most techie of all of Mis- us too, right? Mr. Instagram himself. Yeah. And TikTok. Mr. TikTok. Um, and he literally <laughs> cannot invite a collaborator to put it on both Instagrams, ours and his <laughs> like yo, like in Poor his kid. defense
3: dude I, I couldn't figure out on my girl's phone either i don't know what the deal is but
1: yeah well, i that's... think
3: it's awesome because you guys are always hating on my samsung and i'm like
2: yes the, the <laughs> funniest thing with that whole collaborator thing is i had posted a believe it or not a tree stand selfie i do not do those but i did one this fall for Huntworth, and i'm screwing around in the tree stand posting it and trev texts me later he's like how did you do that and i'm like do what he's like Dude, somehow you got it on your personal page and the outdoor drive page, and I'm like, dude, I have no idea how I did that. We <laughs> had to go like, back and try and figure I was just it out. Buttons and stuff, so we had to like re back engineer it to figure out how the hell I did it in the first place. But I think it's so perfect,
1: dude, isn't it? Wild,
3: the like here we are, like dude hunting, fishing. Uh, it's as primitive as it can get, right? Well, to a point, and like we're kind of going back in time, and then like all this technology is also like. So we're, we're chasing the technology with the filming and the Instagram and all this, you know, algorithms and all these videos and whatnot. And the same token, we're, we're chasing the technology to chase animals in the woods. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's like a the two sided coin, you know, it's kind of crazy. Yeah.
1: And it, you know, the craziest thing about it. Right. And we we'd do a ton of talking about it is that the hunting industry as a whole is so far behind every other industry like if you had basketball or you had golf or whatever like technology wise like the hunting industry itself is like 35 steps behind any other industry in the world like it's like you know all the things will come out like think about it right so like these things will come out and you'll be like oh that's so cool but like in all reality, another industry has already been doing that for a thousand fucking years. Like, dude, like
3: It's a lot smaller of a smaller niche. Small niche of people. You know, we get that stuff last.
1: Mm-hmm. And it's just business wise too. Like they're just like they're so far behind everything. Which is fine because we like to stay in that primitive era, you know, like it's okay. But it's just it's just crazy to me. Like but like you said, we're chasing fucking animals while we're chasing that so it makes it that way well
2: it goes back to what we're saying before about all the little uh trinkets and stuff like that that you you know the industry makes you feel like you need but at the end of the day like my checklist like before i go out hunting my checklist is what do i absolutely all right as long as i have my i have my bow my arrows my release Okay, I can kill something. Yeah, I can. I can forget my rangefinder and be okay. I can forget this. I can forget that. (sighs) I can still get it done. Everything else is just extra shit. At the end of the day, the
1: the thing too, like when you do forget your release, it's a miserable thing. But it's good thing. What is the good thing for us? Like all, all the three of us here is that we started hunting a long time ago when you had to guess. When you had to use oh, you, range your yardage. You said release. Oh, release. I'm sorry.
3: Yeah. I thought you were going to go with fingers. Yeah. Oh,
1: I meant, I meant rangefinder. Yeah. yeah, but no, we've all shot fingers also. But it, we know yep. that when you shoot fingers, your anchor point is going to be a little bit different. So it's actually... Right.
2: Well, how about this? We all started hunting before trail cameras. Yes. We all know how to kill deer without a trail camera. We use them. They're great. They're awesome. I couldn't imagine not using them. I love using them. Mm. There's, I was there's say, kids. how do you
3: feel about the states that are banning them?
2: On public land, I wouldn't have a problem with it at all. No. But let me just finish the thought I was going to say. There's, There's a generation of kids right now that don't know what it's like to not hunt without a camera. As long as they've been hunting, cameras have been a thing.
1: So when they take it away, like Seth is saying, they're right. gonna have a tough time. Right. So they're against it. Where I'm not against it because, in all <coughs> reality, dude, we are all woodsmen. Where we've ba- we've built our you know our hunting career on being a woodsman and not having to use that type of technology. Like, I could I could hunt. Like, we hunt in other states all the time. You did a travel hunt out in Tennessee, and, and you didn't yep. use, le- like, you didn't have a, a year's worth of electronic base backing to know nope. what was going on. What do you do? You go out there. Maybe you put a trail camera out there, but you're using your woodsmanship that you learned from years ago to put yourself into sign and then using your technology to just ensure that that's where it is, right? I mean... Yeah.
3: Right, so we all killed deer there. We we all brought one camera with us. You know, we we did the the map scouting, the whole nine. We got there, boots on the ground, and what we used the cameras for were to be in somewhere we weren't. Right, which is a luxury in itself. You know what I mean? That's we're spoiled because of that. You have two sets of eyes now. Mm. You know what I mean? So I put I sat where I thought the best possible opportunity was going to be, and I put the camera somewhere that was mm, I, it was good, but it wasn't as good as where I wanted to sit. So I put the camera there to be another set of eyes, mm-hmm. you know, and I, we, I ended up getting at, uh, the buck that Louis shot on camera. Oh, really? Yep. Yep. And we, we were like two ridges apart from each other, two or three ridges apart. And, uh, th- which is pretty cool. Now it kind of like wraps up the story a little bit, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But no, I mean, I'm totally not against going out there early, putting up cameras. You know what I mean? You, you know, if you're going to put the work in, do use whatever tools and assets you have available go for it but if they were to say tomorrow listen cameras on public no no more yeah i'd have no issue with it because now we're all at a level playing field
2: yeah i'd actually prefer it because i feel like more problems come with cameras than anything because because uh one we talk about people getting possessive over deer and that usually comes from trail cameras but people get possessive over their spots you know, like, oh, well, I've had a camera here since april well, I, well, I don't care. I scouted the spot in January. The sign was already here. I don't need a camera here to tell you what's going on here like i can I know when I scouted in January, I can come back in November and hunt. I didn't need a camera there, right, and people you know just because people slap right. up a camera, all of a sudden they think it's their spot,
1: so they're getting possessive of
3: that spot right right, right.
1: and 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 I think that. Well, so getting rid of them, I'm okay with that. When you're travel hunting and stuff like that, if I didn't have to have a camera, I'd be okay with not having a camera. Yeah, I would be totally fine without Absolutely. not having a camera. And you use them Absolutely. like like you said, like you use them to put them in places that you're not going to be. So if I'm going to hunt, if I'm going to hunt section A and that's my hunting spot, I am going to put it in section B so that I know that if a buck is running in that area, that I can then go there and try and hunt that buck because he's daylighting. You know what I'm saying? Because you're hunting Correct. in that. That November, late October, November time frame where if that buck ends up daylighting on Tuesday, I know that I probably have a day or two where he's going to daylight again in that same area. You know what I'm saying? So I can try and get to him. At least you put yourself in that advantage. But if I didn't have that, I'd be okay with it. I would just haunt different. I'd just haunt a little bit different.
3: In the same token, how much more of a stress do the cameras add?
1: A lot. They add a lot because because now you're putting more pressure on yourself to try and get at those deer,
3: or making the decision on where to sit instead of waking up in the morning. And be like, all right, the wind's northwest today. I I have this this option. I have mm-hmm. a stand or B mm-hmm. stand. Now you're like, oh yeah, but I got a deer over here yesterday at night, or there was a buck over here at 3 a.m. yesterday, and you know what I mean. It just adds so much to the whole hunting thing that. It, phew, I, I would be okay if they did away
2: with it. No. Yeah, I think I would. I think you, it takes you You've struggled with that a little bit in the past. i Ch- chasing deer and being a day late everywhere, and then going to the next spot because of the camera, and always feeling like you were in the wrong place at so the wrong I, time.
0: I,
3: exactly.
1: I, I blew an, an entire season because of that. Like I'm, I'm not gonna lie. I blew an entire season chasing cameras. I have to chasing cameras yep. because you're like, well, I can't go to that. I can't go to 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 this spot because that spot hasn't had any deer on camera or the buck that I want on camera. So he didn't show up on that camera. And then you so right. you go to another spot and then you're like, Oh, well they didn't show up in there. So I'm not going to go there. I got to go here because there is deer showing up here. And then you, then you go back to collect all of your cameras and 40 yards from your camera, bro, the place is absolutely torn Smash. up. And you're like, yep. Oh, yep. what did I just do? Like I just yep. blew my entire season on something and you find sheds 60 75 yards away from where you were and you're like dude those deer have been here this whole time and they've been on there and they're feeding yep. you know like i've had a camera pointing one way and they're feeding 30 <sighs> yards off of it dude and the exactly. place is torn up it doesn't eaten, tell and you're everything like, oh! you're like what did i just do man and they, i think it, i think it honestly adds a adds a disadvantage to you man because you you try and you you try and base your season on on a trail camera which is a problem well
3: I think it's a, it's definitely it's a disadvantage to the guys that have the instinct. If you have the instinct where I should be here, this is, you know, the the acorns are dropping here, the cornfield is cut cut here, the wind is good for here. But and but you got like you said, I got a buck over here. So I'm not going to go where I my instinct is telling me to go. I'm going to go here because the camera is telling me to. In my experience, I've always I make that mistake constantly. Constantly. But, like, the guys that don't have that instinct saying, listen, this is natural, like, this is where it should be, but all you know is the camera, then it's not really a disadvantage because you don't know any different.
1: Right. What do you do early season? Because you you do a lot of real early season, like, velvet hunting. Like, what do you do? Do you run a lot of cameras to see what's going on, or is it just you know? I run cameras year-round. Just to know what's going on.
3: Yep. Yeah, because and the thing is where where the places I hunt, it's a lot of farm, um, obviously, especially with the nuisance permits, um, but it's small parcels. So the deer, you know, there's more fields than woods. So that can only hold. I have all the food in the world, but I don't have all the bedroom in the world. You know what I mean? So deer don't stay with me. So that's why I run cameras all the time, because I'm always trying to figure out the patterns, you know, when they're moving, how they're moving, trying to figure out whatever I can, because it's never the same. Like me trying to pattern a deer is almost impossible because they don't just live on me. They live on my property and five other ones on the side of me. You know what I mean? Um, so that's why I definitely, I just, dude, the amount of money I spend in batteries a year is a little (laughs) ridiculous. Um, but that's how I use them. I use them just to regulate the, you know, how and when they're moving.
2: Have you ever put a camera on a field on a, what do they call it, plot watcher or something like that, where it takes, like a time lapse on a field? Uh-huh. Have you ever tried that? I, I personally haven't.
3: I have not, and that's a little bit above my pay grade with technology. Yeah,
2: Well, say me, <laughs> I was kind of hoping that you had a little, little insight because I've always wanted no. to do it. I think it's cool, but I, I've never done
1: it. So what would you do? Just put a GoPro on No, you,
2: you do it up with a, a trail camera. Usually you put it kind of high where you can like kind of see the whole field, and it like periodically takes a picture like every so many minutes or seconds, and then you, it almost looks like a time-lapse video, so you can like see the deer come out into the field throughout the entire day or night. So it really? doesn't have to get tripped. They don't have to be in the infrared to trip and take a picture. It just automatically takes a picture of the entire field.
3: Mm. I should do that. It would be cool. That. It would be.
1: Cool. Let's do it. Let's it try would be very we got to cool. do it. I think that would yeah. be really cool because yeah. now you're getting the intel because then you're not worried about that thing actually tripping it. Yeah. And if he d- walked by it, didn't walk by it, what you missed, what you didn't right. miss. Right. The deer now could you're... be,
2: they could be 100 yards away over in the other corner of the field. And now you know that they're they coming out the over pitcher, there. And then, like, it'll take, right. say, it takes a picture a minute later. Mm-hmm. And then you see them, like, working their way
1: across the field. That's yep. actually pretty cool. Then I've n- you have you definitely gain it. it. like a lot that. Of it.
3: We should let's do it. No, done
1: deal. Done deal. Do it. That's done. nuts, dude. So so when you're so obviously in the early season when you're hunting and obviously like a lot of people don't get to hunt like that. Like, is there certain thing like is, are they very like like you can you can like count on a dime that they're gonna be there constantly <coughs> all the time. Like they're very like religious on what they do. Patternable. Patternable. There you go. Thank you. I can't talk. <laughs>
3: Let me see. Let me know how to phrase this. They're definitely, definitely, no question about it, more patternable early season. Mm-hmm. Food is king. And they're not – it's not bucks. I shouldn't say it's not bucks and does because, in my experience, even in the summertime, they're, they're bat, there's bachelor groups. It's not like – not just even in the summer. Obviously, in the summertime, there's bachelor groups. But, like, when when it's early season – food is food. So even though they're in the bats groups and the does over here and the bucks bed differently, like they're going to meet in the field no matter what, mm. you know what I mean? So it's, it's definitely an easier animal to pattern in this early season, but it's it, hunting them is different. It, it's hard for me to explain. It's, I love it. And I hate it at the same time because deer hunting, when it's not cold out, is weird for us in New England you know what i mean yeah. it's it it feels uncomfortable like sweating in a tree stand is very strange or you know on sitting on the ground it it's very weird but the deer act differently it's like i get i love it because i get a whole different atmosphere of of how the deer react and how they you know how they exist compared to october november as soon as you know the crops change it's the deer mentality changes immediately whether it's February, March, and the rye is coming up from the cover crop to the middle of summer, and like the squash and the potatoes and the pumpkins are coming up, or October first, and the cornfield is starting to get cut for you know for the, the cow the cow field and the cow feed. Each season, as far as food goes, the deer are different, and it's 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 all, it's almost enjoyable because I'm allowed. I have the advantage and, the you know, I'm lucky enough to be able to experience more season than just October 1st or whatever, you know, whenever it normally opens. Um, but they are definitely more patternable. But now it's not just a buck coming out. There's seven that come out. You know what I mean? So, like, the bachelor groups together, if I'm, you know, I'm hunting, I'm trying to fill a crop damage tag. The, the farmer calls me. Hey, man, they're tearing up my field and, you know, this this field over here on this side of the farm. All right. So I try to go make a play on it. And it's not just, you know, a couple of those and then a big buck follows them. It's there's six does come out because that's a hot food source at the time. Because everything's timing with, mm-hmm. you know, whether the, the the corn shoots are a certain length or the potatoes start to bud. The, they love the flowers on, potato, on the potato plants. So like this strict timing, by the time those bud and go past whatever the nutrient value they have, it's boom, it's hit or miss. So. You know, you can go sit on a stand and now I have 15 deer looking at me or potentially being downwind instead of just one. It's not just shooting fish in a barrel because, like, all that is different. You know what I mean?
1: Mm-hmm. And the reason why I asked this, right, like, I, and, and where, you know, and where it can be used is guys that are hunting early season. And what I'm trying to say is and what I was trying to get out of you is that they are patternable. And to chase a big buck early season, you know, the beginning of September, we start September 15th. And you can yep. get on a deer that is really patternable in the early season because a lot of guys like there's a lot of guys yes. that probably are listening to this podcast right now and they don't think about deer hunting until the end of October, beginning of November. But I think that a lot of them and why we archery hunt is being able to get out there a little bit early. So what I was what yep. I was why I was asking that is like, can you find yourself getting on a big buck? in the beginning of September and making that deer patternable to put it into play where you could capitalize on it in the early September year months. You know what I'm saying? Like
3: 100, 100% definitely. Definitely. The, the food sources then, and the you know, the beard, the deers travel routes are 100% easier to figure out that time of year. No question about mm-hmm. it. And what would that's, you- that's a, that's,
1: and, and, and what would you Good. use to try and figure out w- w- to make them patternable? So,
3: as even though I run Cameras 365, that time of year, the cameras, as helpful as a the tool they are, they're almost even more so, um, a, not necessarily a distraction, but they lie a lot that time of year because there's so much more vegetation there's so much more food around the deer don't just take the same run out of the woods they don't just you know what i mean but now don't forget now it's gets dark at 8 30 and not 4 30 so i after work i load my wife and kid Mm up Mm -hmm. we go for a ride and i'm i'm using you know i scout physically i go and i see you know what corner of the field is getting hit which corner of the field they're coming out on right today you know and now that's not gonna last long because you get 12 15 deer in one corner of the field that corner is not going to last for more than a couple of days before they move on, you know, into, an, into another section. They just they eat their way out. Um, but de- I mean, obviously trail cameras, but it's a lot of boots on the ground.
1: Physically watching and glassing of- and yeah. paying attention to yes. what's going on.
3: Dude, in the summertime, I, mean, I take my daughter fishing. Dude, I pick up my girl from work after work. We'll go fishing for a little bit. And then when it hits seven o'clock, we go, we jump in the truck. We'll have dinner. We'll jump in the truck. We we'll go for a ride. Every Every single day, same every night. That's, that's what we do. And we just put eyes on and see what the deer are doing, how they're doing it. And
1: that's it. So what made you successful to shoot your big velvet deer this year?
3: I have history with that deer. So, you know, I've had the crop damage from it here for years now, and I still have never been able to kill that deer because he's on me one day and the next day he's not, he might, he's, you know, deer that caliber aren't, they're definitely smart. Even in the summer, um, But I think just the, you know, three, four years of chasing him, I was finally able to set up before, you know, I made the right call at the right time, basically. Call it luck or whatnot, but I've put more and more pieces of the puzzle together and I knew, all right, listen, the the crop, and it depends on which way the crops are planted because they rotate them every year. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So the stars kind of aligned where, you know, uh, the cornfield was planted in the right field, the potato field was in the right spot. So I was able to get myself in position. To where they come out this time of year. Um, and that was no camera. That was no cameras. I didn't have a cell camera there. I had a regular, I had one of these. I had a wild game and a Browning, actually. Um, so it wasn't a cell phone camera. I had to physically check it. But I would, on my drives, I'm like, all right, they're starting to hit this area. They're starting to hit this area. And I just finally made the move at the right time.
1: So take us through it, man. Let's hear about it.
3: Okay, so I've been chasing this deer for a couple of years now, several years. Did you have a name? Um, uh, so, Do you name deer? Did. Yes, but the problem is the deer are the same couple bucks are so, <laughs> the gene pool is so similar. Yeah, It's like impossible to figure out, at least for me, like exactly the differences. Because it's been, like I said, I this deer name was Fleek. And there was Fleek, there was Fleek Jr., there was mm. a Fish Hook. It was, you know, and it's because I called him Fleek and Louie helped me name him because he had awesome brow tines. So mm. fleeky eyebrows, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I like that's that. how he got his name. But it's been so by the time I found this deer or realized he was a regular in my areas, he was already mature. So from then till now, that deer could have been long dead. And this is one of his offspring. Just going by, you know, the pictures I have on my phone and show cameras, it's really tough to say. Um, I've spent hours and hours trying to figure it out. So I cannot confirm that it's the same deer, but I hope so. (laughs) You know, one day we'll have to put our heads together and actually figure it out. But, um, whether it was him or not, I, it was an absolute stud. So I've been watching them. I checked my cameras a couple of times. I realized that the deer were destroying this field. The farmers called me the whole nine. And like I said, these are all farms next to each other. So it's not just my property. They could feed through my farm tonight. And the next day they'll be hitting the neighbor's property because he's got the same thing planted, and then just doing their circle, and it's just a matter of what day that I'm available to be there when they show up, you know. Um, so I was watching this deer. Long story short, I'm rambling, but I've been watching this deer for a while. It's it's September now, and the farmers calling me, dude. They're destroying the they're destroying the field. So I got to we got to go over there because it's as much as a blessing to have this permit. It's also, I have to fill the tags or, you know, I'm going to lose it, you know? So it, it's, it's not like I can just be, you know, ago about it. I, I have to make something yeah, happen. You you it just so happens. As, that, much,
2: as much as you want to manage for big deer and pass big deer, your, your, your job there is to actually kill deer. So you can't, you
3: can't be too selective. Correct. Yeah. Correct. So, you know, I have to pick it, it. I can luxury. I can pick and choose when I'm being selective, but at the end of the day, I still have to kill deer right um it just so I would go I'd go I filled a couple of tags for them so now I'm like all right I bought myself a couple of days and my father my grandfather are also on the permit too so you know we all killed a few deer we filled some tags now we're waiting for the state to send us more tags so we all down to a couple you know I had two tags left so you know they we all they give us 15 tags we all take five a piece when we fill them they send us five each more you know so I, I already filled two or three tags I have two tags left so now the pressure's off a little bit I'm like all right I'm watching this deer I patted him. I had him at 30 yards three days prior. I saw I, I saw them out in the field. I made a stalk. I was cutting through the cornfield. The wind swirled a little bit. This deer is coming at me. I started blowing in my hand. I started stomping. The wind was just off, and he couldn't really tell what it was. Dude, this buck came from 80 to 30 on a string. And I'm holding my bow, dude, watching this giant velvet buck walking at me. I came to full draw when he got to 30 yards. And this is when the same moment in my hunting career that I realized I needed to get rid of my trigger release and go to a, a palm release, a thumb release. And I need to get rid of my single pin because as this deer is walking at me, um, having to relax my bow, un- unclip my release, change my yardage, change my yardage, oh. reclip. So I, so as he's coming in, dude, he's coming at me. He's not deciding to walk broadside. It's not a TV. It's not a movie. You know what I mean? So he was literally coming at me trying to figure out what I was as I'm stomping. So I was standing in the field and I'm stomping and blowing at him. And because I didn't, he just didn't know what it was. The wind was just off. It was honestly, it was amazing. (laughs) It was absolutely amazing. And again, I've been watching him for a while. So like my heart's beating through my chest because I'm like, dude, is this that deer that I've been chasing for years? You know what I mean? I finally caught up to him at the right time. He gets the thirty-two yards. I'm at full draw, and there's a cornstalk in the way of his chest. He—he he was coming at me quarter two, quarter two. I'm like, you know, um, um, I practice year round, so like, I'm very confident. So at that, at thirty yards with a clear shot, dude, a buck of a lifetime. I don't know what I would have done. I didn't take the shot. I would. I don't know what I would have done had I actually had a clear, you know, clear opportunity. But he was facing me at thirty yards. And I was at full draw and there was a cornstalk right down his chest. And I was like, oh. so I sat there and had to, and I, I relaxed and I stood there and he started stamping a little bit and he's flaring his nostrils. And dude, at 30 yards, dude, and this, you know, it's September, like the sun's just starting to set. Like, dude, it was picture perfect. It was beautiful. Dude, I'm shaking. dude. <laughs> um, And if I didn't have a clear shot, dude, I had to let down. He turned and started going away. Yeah, I had him again at forty-seven. As I, you know, I, I blew again, and he stopped and looked back. But then I was already shaking so bad. I was I just chalked it up as a loss. I was like, all right. So I knew he was there. I knew he was freaking in the field. Um, did I think I was going to get another chance at him? Absolutely not. Like a deer like that, you know, he's I, I don't know his exact age. Like again, I don't know if it was the deer I've been chasing or not. But I know he's mature. But to have an encounter like that with a mature buck, I didn't think I was going to be able to get another one. Um, so I waited, I waited, I waited until the wind was right. Uh, I got a, it was like Saturday afternoon or Friday afternoon. I was either out early or whatever. And I'm talking to Louis, and I was like, dude, should I make a move? And he's like, absolutely go for it. Do it. And I was like, ah, oh, dude, I don't want to booger this deer. Like, you know, especially there's food everywhere. So like, if I really sh- screw this up, he's not going to come back. Long story short, I set up a, a makeshift ground blind in the bushes. Cause like, I don't have a tree stand in this corner of the field. I don't have nothing set up. And I don't want to put one up because I think he's betting very close to where he's, I'm going to have an opportunity to shoot him. I go sit on the ground. I'm, I'm, I'm on my, hand, my knees. I'm sitting sideways with my bow. Like, I got my camera and my tripod set up. I have bushes all around me. It gets to, like, the time I'm expecting him to come out into the field. I don't see nothing. I'm like, shit. I, I encroached too much in his bedroom. I ruined it. I'm texting Louie. I'm like, dude, maybe I should go and stalk through the field see if I see him where I, I saw him the other day. He's like, go ahead, do it. And I'm telling myself, I'm like, yo, my grandfather would yell at me, don't sit still, be patient, be patient, be patient. I do sit on the ground like that. My knees were killing me. I was like, all right, fine, I'm going to do it. So I get up, I check around the field, I walk the edge, I check to see if I saw him where they were the other day to get into ball range. Nothing. I was like, well. Now I did it. You know what I mean? I, I risked it for the biscuit and I screwed it up. There was no deer on the other side of the field either. I head back to get my tripod. So now I left my camera gear on the ground to go stalk. With the, I had the GoPro on my bow to go stalk this field. Deer weren't there either. I get back to where my ground blind setup was. Is seven deer walking out of the woods. I, I get. Into, I step just enough into the cornfield. I have corn stalks in front of me. There's three bucks. There's four. There's a couple of does come out. It's just like the, the gates opened and the deer started walking out. There was a nice buck. I can't remember if it was an eight or a nine, whatever it was. And he's walking at me. I mean, six feet. I come to full draw. I throw my pin to 20. I come to full draw. This buck's literally at six or eight feet. And he's walking at me still like it was going to be point blank. So now my heart's racing. Okay, now I sh- if I was sitting there, I would have had a perfectly broadside shot at like 11 yards. It would have been beautiful. This deer is at me. Eight yards away, six yards away. I'm coming to full draw. Here he comes. I see, all of a sudden, I just out of the corner of my eye, I see that giant velvet buck step out. I relax, I range, I range. He's at 30, 37. I'm like, man, man. Mind you, I have this buck still at six yards, and all I have in front of me is a roll of corn. So, and he's like, this, this buck is freaking out, right? He's turning his head. He's like, what the hell? And that giant is not stopping. I range him. I range him. The last range I had was 42. And he, he wouldn't have stopped. I'm, man, man, I'm whistling. I slap it to 45. And I come to full draw. This buck is literally stamping. And I can smell his breath. He's so close. And I come to full draw. I'm like, <laughs> I whistle. And he just pauses enough. And I send it. And I got him right, right, right under the shoulder. Both shoulders. Both lungs. I got his aorta. He didn't make it out of the field. It was absolute chaos because the deer herd exploded. There was tails everywhere. I couldn't, dude, I was losing my mind. <laughs> I was losing my mind, dude. The giant, giant buck that I've been chasing for possibly years. I sent an arrow, dude, I'm losing my mind because I'm like, oh. I couldn't tell if I hit him or not. I couldn't see my lighted knock. I couldn't see, I didn't know what happened. There was tails everywhere. I call Louie, I'm like, you asshole. I'm like, I should've stayed put. I should I'm losing my mind, dude. I'm like sweating, dude. My heart's pumping. I'm losing it. And I'm like, dude, I should have stayed still. I would have had him broadside the whole nine. He said, dude, go check the arrow. Go check the arrow. Go check the arrow. And I'm on the phone with him. I can't find the arrow. I'm like, dude, I missed. I don't see blood anywhere. I was like, dude, I hope I didn't wound this deer. Because now I can't find the arrow. So I'm, my heart's in my chest. I keep walking. I keep walking the direction I think he went. 40 yards away, I see him piled up on the field. Dude, I lost it. And I was on the phone with him at the same time. So like, he heard my reaction and everything. It was it was a pretty cool experience.
1: That's um, epic, dude. That's absolutely epic. From yeah. the ground.
3: Yeah. Oh. Had I been where I was sitting, I actually don't know, looking back now, if I could have made it happen because those other deer would have been on top of me. Mm. So... I was mad then because, I, you know, I, I mm-hmm. was stalking and walking instead of being patient. But looking at the situation now, had that buck that came to six yards, he would have literally stepped on me if I was Jesus. in my little ground blind. So it, it probably all worked out for best. And I made a perfectly reasonable shot and 47 yards with the bow, you know what I mean, on this giant buck. So it, it worked out for a and it was a cool
1: story. What – it was a wild, wild hunt though. Wild that's nuts. Do you find that you hunt a lot from the ground? Yes.
3: You enjoy I, if the if I country? had a choice. If I had a choice, I would never be in a tree.
1: Really? Well, it's being
3: on the ground on eye level is so much more challenging and so much more in with them than being fifteen feet high.
1: Really? <laughs> you like it that much better?
3: Dude, it, it is not even a question, not even a debate. For me, personally, being in a tree is another feeling alone, but dude, when they step out and they're feeding and you can hear them crunching and you can see the spit coming out of their mouth and, you know, them licking their nose and you can see like when, if they're in bow range on the ground compared to in bow range and you're 15 feet high, it's just the adrenaline rush is like no other. It really is. And your shot angle is so much better because you're on the ground. Mm.
1: See, it's crazy. So I used to hunt a ton from the ground, and I absolutely enjoyed it. I used to hunt on the ground blinds constantly and absolutely loved it. And then I got into the whole mobile saddle hunting, and I'm like, dude, I'll never hunt on the ground again. But then there's so many situations where I'm like, oh, I wish I was on the ground, like hunting from the ground.
2: Me and Seth actually had this conversation two weeks ago. I've got a couple spots where I, I have to go to the ground. Right, I don't have an option to hunt out of a tree, and it kind of screwed me this year. So I when I found out Seth was a big uh, ground hunter, we, we had a pretty in-depth conversation about what I need to do next year because it's just another tool for the tool, tool bag.
1: You it, know? Is, it really is. I mean, you see a lot of guys that hunt at different outfitters, and they hunt on the ground. They hunt in ground blinds. I mean, it's a, there's some outfitters that don't even allow people to hunt in the tree. They have to hunt on the ground. Bear camp is one of those but, things that they hunt at on the ground a ton. Yeah.
2: Mm.
3: Yeah, uh, there's a lot of. I mean, it definitely adds a definite a big bit of challenge to it. Mm-hmm. But there's definitely a lot of advantages to being on the ground too.
2: No, do you think
3: one? Go ahead, finish that thought. Go ahead. Okay. No, I was gonna say. Well, one thing about if you're in an actual blind, not like a brush blind, you have a lot more movement that's concealed. You know, mm-hmm. you can move around. You can.
1: That's probably you why you shoot a hunting. lot more deer. No. <laughs> well,
3: that's,
2: that's what I, exactly what yeah. I was gonna ask you. Yeah, with the, with an actual pop up blind. Do you
3: think you you can get away with more or less? <laughs> more as as far as movement, m- well, <laughs> you move around when there's a deer at twelve yards in the ground blind or not, they're gonna bust you because you can't even breathe without them hearing you. At the, you know when you're that low, you have no protection. But if you know you have a little bit, of – if the wind's right and in a perfect scenario, you can move from the chest down. You can move all you want, and they're not gonna see you. Mm. So that's definitely an advantage. You know what I mean? But if they're at 10, 12 yards, <laughs> doesn't matter what you do, you're kind of screwed, you know? Right. Um, but you can't, like, when I hunt on my little one, the ground blinds perfect because I can put her butt on the ground with a coloring book, and it doesn't matter what she's doing out there, she can't be seen. Her movement's right. not my problem, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm.
2: Um, Probably good to bring the wife they did too.
1: Yeah, right. <laughs> It's, I mean, you don't have to worry about it. They get to understand what's going on in the woods and then your concealment is so much more that way. Absolutely. It's, yeah. it's just the way um, that it goes.
3: As far as the wind too, if you're in a pop-up blind, if you keep all the windows closed besides your shooting window, I think it does give you a bit of an advantage.
1: Mm. I do. I think it, in a
3: wind whether it's, yeah, whether it's how much of an advantage, <coughs> you know, that's not, I'm not a scientist. But I think it does give you that extra split second because you don't have you're when you're you're contained in that
2: yeah in that right. I feel like the onyx or not the onyx the, the ozone machines those onyx. I'm, I'm not a big ozone machine guy at all. Um, the ones in the tree, like when you're in the tree saying you have the ozone machine above your head. I think that's just ridiculous. But I do feel like maybe in a ground blind where it could really pay so, off because you're recycling see, that like, same air.
3: I will not use one on the ground blind. I okay. completely disagree. I agree. won't use be- one. Well, I won't use one at cr- all. So, <laughs> but uh, be- be- maybe it's just mine. Yeah, I can hear mine. Yeah, I can oh, hear it running. Yeah. Oh, yeah, they all are like that. So, I won't bring it in the ground blind because I. It could just be me. I've never been busted because of it, but it 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 just freaks me out that it's making noise. Mm, right. Like you don't have, you don't have that luxury on the ground. You know, right, what I mean? it's
1: Dry noise. Yeah. if I'm
3: fifteen feet up, if I'm fifteen feet up. I have that, and that thing's running. It's a totally different ball game it's compared like a to bumblebee if they're at there. twelve yards. Hmm. Right, right. Yeah. It's, so, uh, but, drink. but as far as circulating in the air, it would be way more effective in a ground blind. As far as it's functioning, a lot of those of
1: guys do run those things in ground blinds. I mean, they they, 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 they do, mean they yeah. make special stands and stuff for them. I, I just. I don't know, man. I kind of miss hunting on the ground, to be honest. Like, once you go into a tree stand, you just like there's a lot of advantages and putting yourself in different places and stuff. But when you like yourself hunting farmland, like, how many trees is there that are close enough to the ag? You know, like that's that's exactly. one of the so now you're making your shot that would be 20 from the ground is now 35 because you're set back an extra right. 10, 15 yards from the field edge yep. where them deer are coming out, dude, because they don't run the edge of the field. You know what I'm saying? I absolutely. mean, where they come out, they come That's, out. Absolutely. So it's it definitely makes things a lot tougher. I think uh, we were talking about it earlier before we hit record. I think if I kill Chuck this
2: year, early season, mm-hmm. it'll end up being from a ground blind.
1: You think so? Mm-hmm. There's nothing wrong with that. No,
2: there's nothing wrong with that. like you, you said,
3: down a lot this summer.
2: Yeah, but like you said, if you get, right. you get those brushy fence rows and stuff like that, sometimes there's just
1: there's no tree where you need to be where they come out into the field. Well, when you go to set your ground blind, like do you set it like a week before, two weeks before, a day before? Like, is there one thing that like, ideally
3: you find? the longer before the better? Okay, the closer you are setting it up, as far as me personally, the closer I am to setting it up and hunting it determines how much I have to brush it in mm. and how like the extent I have to go to to conceal this thing to make it as natural as possible. Because don't forget, like these deer know. Just like you know, you're walking around your house, you know where every stool is, where every mm-hmm. chair is. You throw a blind in there, the deer are going to pick it up. No question about it. Mm. Whether they freak out and run away or whether they just stop stamping and quit, you know, it changes everything. Yeah. So if I can put it up, like the blinds that I set up yearly, that I every year I put a blind in the same spot, as soon as turkey's over, or I might even set them up and use them for turkey, and now they're ready for crop damage or deer season. But as soon as the winter's over, those blinds go up and they get brushed in, and they're there for the rest of the year.
1: And you're not but risking it for the biscuit. One. You're not if, risking if it for I the biscuit. <laughs> right. What about, I love uh, that, that he said that, they're risking for a
2: biscuit. How about, um? because, <laughs> again, I'm completely naive with the ground blind. I don't know anything about them. Windows, open or closed, do you, do you close them up when you're not hunting and then open when you show up? Or, like, if you know this window is no. going to be open when you hunt, do you leave it open all the time?
3: Yes. Yeah, okay. Correct. So and it's, it depends if I'm this is going to be my main shooting window or these 3 yeah. front three, I leave them half open. I might close it a little bit, you know what I mean, but I leave it open because if it's closed and it's open, right. if you stand 40 away and look at that blind with the windows up and then you open the windows and look at it, you can see a giant black hole there. Right. Granted I I know their vision isn't the same as ours, but it's different. So right. I take all precautions and I leave it set up how I'm gonna hunt it. Um I will open like the back window though when I'm not in there just enough because when the wind hits it, if you don't have that exit for the wind, right. it'll just Take not you. it'll be out of the blind.
1: Right. Speaking so,
3: um speaking I rake of, the ground. Oh,
1: I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah you rake the ground.
3: Oh uh, i I even I, like I cut the brush. I rake the ground with a metal rake. I have just the head of a rake. I rake the ground I Dude, I'll, I have a rug. Sometimes I bring a rug in that way. My feet don't make noise on the roots like the whole night.
1: So you go above and beyond when you're doing it. You set them and prep room as if you were setting and prepping a stand.
3: Yes. It, almost honestly, you have to take more. In my mind, I have to take more care on the ground plan because you don't have the ability to be 15 feet up and you're cheating their eyes a little bit. You know what I mean? You they don't have to look up to see you because you're ground level.
1: Yeah, that's wild. Mm. That's nuts. But it, no, it's the way that it should be, honestly. I think it I think it's a lot of really good information, honestly, yeah. for guys, because I we don't really talk a lot about it. We all talk mobile, you know, and being in a saddle. And I mean you saddle hunt too, and like you, you know, using all the tools of the trade, but like ground blind hunting is not something that's always talked about anyways. You know what I'm saying? I mean it's 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 one of those things that's not talked about, you know?
3: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely not like the sexiest thing to do in the out there in the industry right now. That's for sure.
1: No, why is that? It's
2: just, I don't know. Because it's not not an e bike. It's not, not, yeah, it's not the, it's it's not not an e bike on public. That's so five, six
3: years ago. It's not a saddle. It's not a rainbow bike. Yeah.
2: That was like five or six
3: years ago, Fad, right? I think so. (laughs) But it works. Now it's either, yeah. If you're not in a redneck line or, and you're not in a saddle, you're not even hunting.
1: Right. I agree. What is that? You mean, I, 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 I get so upset about that stuff like that that industry standard <laughs> bullshit like we have a lot of that in the fishing industry is the same way like if you're not in the fleet industry standard you're mm. shunned out but bro I'm shooting I'm shooting ten deer a year what do you mean I'm not in the industry right. standard like what do you mean bro like right. <laughs> how does that even make sense to me do you, you want to hear something wild. So Connecticut's in the process of passing, they're getting rid of blaze orange and blaze yellow, uh, blaze pink. And now we have to wear blaze blue. Does that pass? No, it didn't pass, Uh-oh. but they're in the process of trying to pass. Wait that. a minute.
3: Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. What? Yeah. <laughs> blaze blue.
1: Yes. Because it's more fair chase because deer can see blue. because deer can see blue. Yeah. Yeah.
3: <laughs> You're lying to me right I now. I swear no. to
1: God, dude. They're trying to, Connecticut is trying to pass it right now. You know what the real reason is, all right? What's that? Cuz Democrats are blue. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it, so it's a it, the blue the blaze blue is it's a is fair it, chase thing so that cuz deer's eyes in their vision they can see blue. Is it navy or baby? No, no, no. It's blaze. It's literally written blaze blue. Yeah, but what is blaze blue? I don't know what blaze blue is, but that's what the laws is writing, blaze blue, because it's more fair Chase. I gotta
2: Google this. What is a blaze blue? Who style is blaze blue? I don't even know
1: what a blaze I blue is. I don't even is. know, but you know what? I'm gonna tell you this much right now, dude. I might, if that's the case, I'm gonna come out with a blaze blue hunting line in that case, because and all like the vest, right? I'm gonna actually patent a blaze blue. Thing because everybody in the state's gonna have to buy them, and if they can get them through me, and I make the most badass blaze blue. Oh, you shouldn't have said on the podcast. Someone's gonna copy you. That's okay.
3: Yeah, you should. You should cut that out. No,
1: <laughs> no I don't really care.
3: <laughs> blaze blue. I think you're pulling my leg. No, no, I
1: swear, bro. That's that's literally that's literally one of the laws that they're trying to pass here right now is the blaze blue law. It's wild. Would you wear blaze it doesn't blue? Doesn't even
2: exist here? on on on.
1: No. I'm Googling it now.
3: Is it just gun season?
1: Uh, I don't know. It doesn't say. It just says deer hunting. Instead of whatever whatever application you would have to use, blaze orange or blaze pink, you have to wear blaze blue. Did we fact check this? Yeah, dude. Somebody sent it to me, bro. It was it was the actual Connecticut. Like, Are you sure? Yeah, dude. I swear in my life. It's wild. I'll tell bro. you what.
3: That would make me. Uh, I, f- I would feel so strongly about that. I wouldn't hunt that season. I would go out of state.
1: Well, the thing is that we could, so during bow hunting and bow hunting only areas, we don't have to wear orange anyway, so it doesn't really matter. But like if you're gun hunting, you'd have to wear blaze. And it's just wild to me that like they would like, why are we doing this? Like it's just, it's out of control, which it would probably never pass. I don't think, but if it did, it'd be kind of crazy. I don't know.
3: If just, it ain't if it ain't broke, don't fix it. You know what I mean? They just.
1: And well, that's just a lot the world of. The right
3: Yeah, man. That's i want to try my luck in connecticut i've been talking to me and louie have been talking about going to public land for a while in connecticut i'm gonna try it
1: you should it's always it's one of those i mean public land is i mean it's like every other public land anywhere else like it's highly pressured and it kind of does its thing but like you can find big deer in any public i think if you put in the amount of time and effort that you want to you know what i'm saying like it doesn't really matter it doesn't matter well, man, I got I like one it. last question for you. You probably know what it is, but I don't think we did. We do that on the group. No, room? you did, we, uh, did. What's your goals for twenty twenty three? Twenty twenty three. What's your goals? Well, that's not the question I'm gonna ask. I'm gonna ask you, Seth. What drives you outdoors?
3: Ooh,
1: <laughs> what drives me
3: outdoors? I wish I had time to prepare for this. I would have had a nice sentiment ready. Yeah, but that's um, not that fun. Driving outdoors. <laughs> um so the world drives me outdoors it no matter how much noise no matter how much bullshit has happened in the world dude the outdoors is the outdoors man you get what you give and that's no matter how loud things can be in the back of your head man like my post on instagram today that picture of the sunlight coming through those trees and the, the snow on the ground dude like you get those moments as an outdoorsman like everybody knows what i'm talking about like There's moments whether you're in a tree stand on a boat holding a fishing pole, you get out there and you remember why you're doing it. Like you remember, like everything seems to make sense when you're outdoors, and that's why I do it.
1: Hmm. No, it's so perfect though. It really is. I just, it's it's funny is that. Right, with this whole question of what drives you outdoors, everybody kind of has the same exact answer, but they just use different words every different single time. Like, it, yeah, and it, the thing is, like, I always thought about this, like, I was like, oh, you know what, we might have to get rid of what drives you outdoors, but I think that that's stupid to get rid of it because it's really good to hear a lot of people's <coughs> answers, like what they actually think. But, like I said, everyone thinks the same thing, but in different words, in their own words, mm-hmm. they think the same exact thing. Like, everybody does it because the passion. Because the world, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's just, it's one of those things that it makes it freaking amazing.
3: Yeah. I yeah, think, that's pretty cool. Everybody's different interpretation of it.
1: Yeah, it truly honestly is, man. I'm I'm honestly looking, you know what? Honestly, I'm looking forward to this season. Because, like, we all talk about this all the time and, like, you know, and how, how important it is for us. Now having a big team that we have and how much fun that we've actually had, like it, it kind of like sparked a little fire in my ass, like because we have like a really good group of guys to like we constantly talk all the time, we have the same beliefs, we do the same things, and everybody's like (coughs) super gung ho to Uh, get this season going. I love it. Even
2: even uh, me me and Seth, it's it's just another person to bounce ideas off of. So like, uh, me and Seth have already been like sharing like little uh you know uh e-scouting and stuff together and Mm -hmm. like one particular spot that seth hunts he he shows me a screenshot of the spot and i was like what's up with this little spot over here and he's like oh i don't know i usually hunt here and i'm like this one spot jumps out to me and this is the spot that he looks at so we start talking like "Well, why do you hunt there why would you hunt there and i'm like dude this is what i see and he's like huh i might have to look into that you know Mm -hmm. what i mean and it's just get getting that different perspective and that different set of eyes to look at a property that i've never stepped foot at foot in it but it, this one particular spot catches my eye and i know nothing about the property right you know it's just it's just cool to get get new guys and new faces to look at stuff
3: absolutely compare it compare everybody's brains yeah because that's one thing man you're always learning this that's oh, another yeah. thing about there's you'll never just figure it out and have the answers you are every deer is going to be different and every deer is going to give you a lesson
1: it, it really honestly will. It really honestly will. Well, man, we really appreciate you well, jumping on. Oh, go uh, ahead, Seth. Why don't you let everybody know where they can find you on social,
2: especially like what is it? Uh, your Instagram handle and stuff like that?
3: At Seth underscore Hunts underscore 365 is my Instagram. Uh, my Facebook's not that active, so uh, that's definitely the base, best place to find me. And, uh, of course, the outdoor drive.
1: Love it. That's right, man. So what we've been doing If you guys get on over to the Outdoor Drive Instagram um, We've been doing these these collabs But the, the only person that sucks at it is Tyler Tyler hasn't been getting on the collabs Because his phone is his phone But Seth is on there His his little daughter has her own little call She does doing all of her own little reels And everything on there So you guys can find him over there um, And for everybody else man Seth thank you for jumping on And for everybody else no Thanks for taking the ride Right here on the outdoor drive.